Good morning. In today's headlines, it's been nearly one year since a man plowed his car through a Wisconsin Christmas parade. Six people were killed and dozens more injured. Yesterday, the jury in his case reached a verdict. The Washington High School football coach fired for praying is getting his job back. Find out what the timeline is for his reinstatement. Former President Trump lays out his plans before midterms. We have more on his upcoming rallies across battleground states. The nation's report card showed severe learning losses, but there is one rare bright spot. We spoke to an expert. And a realtor turned business coach now challenges herself to reach new heights, and she uses what she's learned to help others. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. We are approaching the weekend. It's Thursday today, October 27th. But first, updates from the Christmas parade attack almost a year ago now. Daryl Brooks was found guilty of six counts of first-degree intentional homicides yesterday. He was the one that drove an SUV into the crowd. And today's Daniel Monaghan with the jury's verdict. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, Guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. With those words, a terrible journey that began with Daryl Brooks driving a red SUV into a Christmas parade in Wisconsin came to a close. He killed six in the murderous rampage, including an eight-year-old boy. He also injured 68 other parade-goers, of which at least 18 were children. Several members of the Dancing Granny's dance troupe were among his victims. The trial was marked by his insistence on representing himself in the case. You and you alone have the power. You and you alone decide what is truth and what isn't truth. And by his frequent courtroom antics. Grounds for the sustain? The record speaks for itself. Next question. I, what was the record speaking for itself? I didn't, I didn't hear it. Not relevant. How is it not relevant? However, Waukesha District Attorney Susan Opper and the jury were undeterred. He tried to turn this into his story, let's talk about Mr. Brooks and his family, and we just kept redirecting it back to the real focus here is our families, our victims, our community, and his responsibility for this destruction. In addition to first-degree intentional homicide, he was also convicted of 61 counts of recklessly endangering safety with the use of a dangerous weapon, along with six counts of fatal hit-and-run and other charges. Brooks faces a mandatory sentence of life in prison for the homicide convictions. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Border Patrol agents in the area of El Paso, Texas, apprehended more than 38,000 illegal immigrants in the first three weeks of October. That's an average of almost 13,000 per week. That's up from January, when agents in El Paso were arresting an average of 4,500 per week. Illegal crossings in El Paso have trended up all year. The region has become the new hotspot after Del Rio, Texas. The city is receiving millions of dollars from FEMA to feed, house, and transport the illegal immigrants once they're released by Border Patrol. It has set up a mammoth operation in conjunction with local NGOs. This is to provide thousands of migrants with meals and hotel rooms. Some city council members are pushing to declare a local disaster as the costs went through the roof. However, Mayor Oscar Leeser says the White House asked them not to at this point. The White House didn't respond to a request for confirmation of Leeser's claim. 
the Washington High School football coach who was fired for praying on the field is set to be reinstated. Joe Kennedy and the Bremerton School District submitted a so-called joint stipulation to a U.S. District Court on Tuesday. Kennedy won his U.S. Supreme Court case in June this year. The court ruled 6-3 to three that the firing of Kennedy, who is a Christian, violated First Amendment religious freedom protections. All three liberal justices ruled against Kennedy. According to court documents, both parties asked for Kennedy to get his job back on or before March 15, 2023. But there are a few disputed issues that still need to be resolved. The court is expected to enter a final order in the coming weeks or months. Kennedy was put on leave in 2015 for leading personal prayers at the 50-yard line after games. Former President Trump has laid out his plans for upcoming rallies before the midterms. Trump will visit battleground swing states over five days to stump for candidates he's endorsed. Trump will visit Iowa on November 3rd to campaign for Governor Kim Reynolds and Senator Chuck Grassley. Both are up for re-election. He's then going to Pennsylvania on November 5th to campaign for U.S. Senate candidate Mehmet Oz and gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano. He's then heading over to Florida on November 6th for a rally with Senator Marco Rubio and finally to Ohio on November 7th, the eve of the election, for U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Trump made the announcement through his Save America PAC on Wednesday. The statement says his Ohio visit comes on the heels of record-setting 40-year high inflation in the Buckeye State. The statement also claims nearly 70% of residents in the state agree that President Biden is leading the country in the wrong direction. Midterms are less than two weeks away and polling suggests candidates for Pennsylvania's 7th Congressional District are evenly matched. Republican U.S. House candidate Lisa Scheller was joined by former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley at a press conference Wednesday. Scheller discussed her platform, which emphasizes crime, border security and inflation. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more from yesterday's presser. What I want to make sure happens... Lisa Scheller is Pennsylvania's Republican nominee for the 7th Congressional District. She is looking to unseat incumbent Democratic Representative Susan Wild. What I want to make sure happens is that we protect the American dream for generations to come. Because right now, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and my opponent, Susan Wild, are working hard to turn it into a socialist nightmare. Scheller emphasized the importance of supporting law enforcement and having a secure border. I want to make sure that we're putting forth bills that are going to land on Biden's desk over and over again. One, we need to get tough on crime. Two, we need to secure our border. Three, we need to open up Pennsylvania's energy. She says properly addressing these issues will lead to reducing inflation. We've got to stop the egregious spending that's going on and spend on money on spend government's money like it is the taxpayers' money, because in fact, it is. It is not our money to spend. It is the people who live in Pennsylvania. It is the people who live in the country. We need to make sure that we are good stewards of that and we're spending it on things that really matter. But we've got to get inflation under control. Former Ambassador Nikki Haley shared why Scheller has her endorsement. What you get with Lisa is you get someone that understands that you have to hold criminals accountable, someone that knows that we have to have transparency in the classroom and really get our kids back up to speed, somebody that understands that we have to be energy dominant, and someone that understands that the only way we can deal with our enemies around the world is to have strength here at home. Supporters chimed in on why Scheller has their vote. I trust her. She's honest. 
and she just wants to do a good job for Pennsylvania and for us people, and she wants to make a difference. Some voters are looking for a person in Congress that hasn't held office before with fresh aspiration. I think our country is going overall in the wrong direction. I feel very badly for what people are paying for everything. Prices at the pump, prices for health care, which is a big issue for me since I'm a pediatrician. Overall, people are paying more, they're getting less, and something really needs to change. I think she's in it because she loves this community, she loves this country, and I'm here to support her. People aren't happy with what's going on in, in the country today. And I think that that alone gives Lisa an opportunity to unseat the current Congresswoman Susan Wild. Incumbent Representative Susan Wild is running on a platform of infrastructure, environment, public safety, and education. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez is under federal investigation for alleged corruption again. The New Jersey Democrat faced charges of conspiracy, bribery, and fraud in 2017. Those charges could have sent him to prison for decades. But his case ended in mistrial after the jury reported it was deadlocked. Prosecutors allege the senator accepted more than $600,000 in exchange for political favors. It's not yet clear what new charges Menendez may face at this time. It's believed to be similar to the 2017 case. An advisor for Menendez says the senator will cooperate with the investigation. One of the issues at the moment, the nation's report card. It showed scores that have been the lowest in decades. A quick recap, math scores saw the largest decrease ever, and reading scores were at their lowest since 1992. But one outlier, Catholic schools seem to have outperformed their public counterparts. I spoke to an expert to find out more. Joining me for more is Corey DeAngelis. He is a senior fellow at the American Federation for Children. Good morning, Corey. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, the nation's report card was pretty troubling. Now, what I want from what I want to know from you is, why do you think there is this drop in test scores? And is it true that it's mostly because of the disruptions during COVID? Yeah, look, this is the most drastic declines we've seen since the uh, assessment first started in 1990, over three decades ago, when it comes to math scores. And you can thank Randy Weingarten and the teachers unions for pushing to keep schools closed for over a year all across the country. Uh, there have been three independent analyses already indicating that places with with um, that closed the schools longer had uh, larger learning losses on the nation's report card. And there have been at least six studies. I've done one of those uh, evaluations in a peer-reviewed journal finding that places that had stronger teachers unions were more likely to keep their school, their public schools closed longer. Another result on the NAEP, uh, the nation's report card, uh, that's important to look at is the Catholic schools. The Catholic schools were open in person much longer than the traditional public schools. And the Catholic schools lost a lot less lost a lot less ground academically than the public schools, which were, mm -hmm. uh, the public schools were closed longer. The Department of Defense schools were more likely to be open in person, and they didn't lose any ground academically uh, on the nation's report card. That's really interesting. Uh, I want to uh, speak about the Catholic schools a little more later on. First, I want to also know, you know, because there is, I heard people also saying that the mental health decline during the pandemic had played such a big role. Do you, because I heard you just say, you know, the cause seems to be mostly school closures. What is your stance on, you know, the mental health decline that happened during the pandemic? How much of a role did that play? Well, you can't disentangle the two. I mean, the school closures caused mental health issues as well. The kids weren't around their friends. 
We saw a spike in teenage uh, suicide attempts over the past couple of years. And there have been peer-reviewed evaluations, I believe at least one of them in the Journal of the American Medical Association by Dimitri uh, Christakis and his research team finding that places that had their public schools closed longer, the students in those areas reported higher uh, increases in mental health uh, issues as well. I mean, look, you had the private schools, the Catholic schools fighting to reopen. You had the public school teachers unions fighting to remain closed. And the main difference there wasn't uh, one of motivation or intentions. I think the main problem was one of incentives. The public schools got your money regardless of whether they opened their doors for business, but they had an additional benefit by keeping the doors closed because they could say, well, we're closed because we need more money. And it gave them a strong argument to, to, to take more funding from the taxpayers. To wrap this up, can those kids that were affected by those school closures uh, still catch up and, you know, what's necessary for them to do that? Can parents help? You know, some, some tips on your end. Well, the public school districts in the United States are, are sitting on over $100 billion in the American Rescue Plan funding right now. The Wall Street Journal has reported earlier this summer that 93% of the funding allocated by the American Rescue Plan for K-12 education hasn't even been spent yet. And by the way, the learning losses were not evenly distributed either. Uh, more higher income families, they were able to kind of send their kids to these pandemic pods or micro schools or pay for private school tuition. It was the least advantaged who were hurt the most by the school closures. And hopefully we can turn things around. It's all gonna depend on how the school system responds to the needs of families. And I think the best way to make sure the incentives are aligned is to give the funding directly to the student empower families to choose the provider that best meets their needs, only then will the schools have an incentive to cater to the needs of families as opposed to the other way around. Hmm. Very interesting. Thanks, Corey DeAngelis. American Federation for Children, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Coming up, the U.S. military conducts tests with hypersonic weapons. Find out more about the armaments able to hit targets at speeds more than five times the speed of sound. And Elon Musk posts a video of himself at Twitter headquarters. It comes ahead of Friday's deadline to buy the company. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Good to have you back. The U.S. Army and Navy are testing a new class of weapons. Nearly a dozen hypersonic weapon experiments took place yesterday. The Pentagon called the tests a success. The test was conducted from a NASA facility in Virginia and evaluated hypersonic weapon systems and advanced materials. Hypersonic glide vehicles are launched from a rocket in the upper atmosphere before gliding to a target at speeds of more than five times the speed of sound. That's over 3,800 miles per hour. Wednesday's test was intended to validate future aspects of the Navy's conventional prompt strike and the Army's long-range hypersonic weapon. Companies such as Lockheed Martin and Raytheon Technologies are working to develop U.S. hypersonic weapon capability. So this hypersonic weapon gives us the capability to get deep inland in some of the things that we need to do. And most importantly, for what we're doing in the Navy by putting it on a ship and putting it on a submarine, it allows us to pretty much go anywhere in the ocean. So the threat is really against Russia and China particularly, and it is really to get after some of the targets that they've got that over time they figured out how to defeat some of our other capabilities, so this starts to fill that gap. 
The Pentagon launched the prototypes using a sounding rocket. That's a rocket used for research that's smaller and more affordable. It's meant to fill a gap between ground testing and full system flight testing. It's not only the U.S. that's prepping for elections right now. Brazil is holding a presidential runoff election as early as this Sunday. President Bolsonaro expanded Brazil's biggest welfare program in a new wave of government spending. He also granted cooking gas vouchers to low-income Brazilians, gave $500 million to taxi and truck drivers, and announced a program to forgive up to 90% of state bank debts for some 4 million people, among other measures. New spending by Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, may be giving him a boost in the final stretch of a tight re-election campaign, according to opinion polls. But some legal experts say it's a dangerous precedent. The new measures will cost some $52 billion this year and next, according to an analysis of government figures by Reuters, and includes a 50 percent boost to welfare payments for the poorest Brazilians. Some of the experts said the spending spree violates electoral rules by using public resources to help Bolsonaro win re-election in this weekend's runoff against leftist former leader Luis Inácio Lula da Silva. That creates an artificial situation of economic comfort that improves the government's assessment. Why was Bolsonaro at first seen as a weaker candidate? Because he had a low government rating. But through these electoral public policies, he artificially created an environment of economic comfort. The increased government spending comes as many Brazilians are desperate. Rampant inflation and fallout from the pandemic have pushed food insecurity here to levels nearly unrecognizable a decade ago. One in three Brazilians say they have struggled recently to feed their families. For now, Lula still leads overall, with the latest polling giving the former leftist leader a six-point advantage over the right-wing incumbents. But recent polling found Bolsonaro's support from recipients of those welfare payments is up 33 percent compared to the prior week. The runoff election is Sunday. The energy crisis is hitting Europe's largest economy hard. Germany's steel manufacturing plants are taking a massive hit. The world's second largest steel company, ArcelorMittal, plans to deactivate one of its largest steel plants in Hamburg. It said it would also later shut down a blast furnace at its Bremen site at the end of October. The company is the first large industrial group in Germany to shut down production due to the energy crisis. Soaring gas prices have already reduced demand for steel in manufacturing, the auto industry and construction, while operational costs for the plants continue to rise. Elon Musk posted a video showing him strolling into Twitter headquarters. That's right, ahead of a Friday deadline to close his $44 billion deal to buy the company. The video shows him carrying a sink, you heard that right, through a lobby area. Musk tweeted, entering Twitter headquarters, let that sink in. Neither Musk nor Twitter has said if the deal is closed yet. And coming up, the iconic annual Rose Parade is approaching. The 104th Rose Queen and Princesses were announced in L.A. this weekend. And a realtor-turned-business coach now challenges herself to inspire others. Find out more about her strategies coming up.
with the iconic Rose Parade fast approaching, the Rose Queen was announced in Los Angeles this week. NTD's Jackie Rios went out to find out who the lucky winner is. Ladies and gentlemen, Queen Bella. Bella Ballard was announced as the Rose Queen for the upcoming Rose Parade. The 17-year-old from Altadena hopes one day to play professional soccer. But for now, she'll have to settle for royalty. How does it feel being crowned the queen and then with such an amazing princesses behind you? Uh, it feels amazing. I couldn't do it without these amazing girls supporting me through everything. Um, I think we're going to be an amazing court and I can't wait for what comes. The Tournament of Roses President crowned Bella Ballard as the 104th Rose Queen among seven princesses. The other six princesses became part of the royal court and will also assist the Rose Queen on her royal duties and participate in over 100 events consisting of giving back to the community. She currently volunteers her time to the Ronald McDonald House Charities. And like all the princesses at her side, Ballard's charm was on display. Definitely don't stop dreaming. I believe anything is really possible when you put your mind to it. All Royal Corps members received $7,500 in scholarships. The Queen and the Royal Court will participate in the 134th Rose Parade and attend the 109th Rose Bowl game, both held on Monday, January 2nd, with this year's Rose Parade theme being Turning the Corner. Tonight was the night a tournament of Rose's Rose Queen was crowned. The coronation ceremony is one of Southern California's oldest traditions. Jackie Rios, NTD News, Pasadena, California. And here's a message from a realtor turned business coach. True leadership is also a true virtue. That's what she usually passes on to her clients. She challenges herself to reach new heights in order to make physical and spiritual breakthroughs and uses what she's learned to help others improve. Let's take a look. We're at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Kathleen Black began her career as a real estate agent. And despite soaring success over the years, she didn't rest on her laurels, but decided to take her success to the next level. She now helps others reach more of their own potential through educational programs based on her own experiences. We work with um, iconic brands, high net worth individuals to help them achieve new heights, but we do that in a really specific way. We believe in holistic performance, um, abundance, that we can have empathy, vulnerability, honesty, even in the sales industries. As a business coach, she challenges herself to physical and spiritual breakthroughs and shares with others what she has learned. We support, you know, conscious leadership and how we lead and think about our lives um, is exactly that. It trickles down to how we support our clients, but also our families, our friends, our communities. You know, it's much bigger than just a shift in making money. Earlier this year, Kathleen embarked on a journey to Machu Picchu, climbing up to a height of 15,000 feet. It inspired her to take the next challenge, Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. I think that got my feet wet to want to have um, a bigger challenge. You know, Mount Kilimanjaro is considered one of the top seven summits because it's the highest above sea, above sea level freestanding mountain that you can uh, climb in Africa. So I think I always knew I wanted to do it and the chance, um, the chance came up in August and I decided to go for it. Kathleen says climbing mountains pushed her to the limit, both mentally and physically. Anybody who deals with performance and mindset, we're constantly trying to expand ourselves mentally in order to expand ourselves as leaders and support the people around us. 
Kathleen believes that leadership involves compassion and determination. She also believes there is a spiritual element contained within it that involves facing oneself. Doing an extremely challenging physical adventure actually allows us to see ourselves, you know, see our strengths, see our weaknesses, understand how we work with others. And I, I really believe that taking on um, something like a mountain climb allows you to have so much expansion as a person. There's no way that it can't positively, uh, you know, af affect you in your business, in your personal life when you get back home. To Kathleen, her trip to Mount Kilimanjaro was a major challenge. There are many occasions where she was confronted with either continuing or giving up. The ascent involved extreme difficulty, like climbing in temperatures of minus 25 degrees Celsius. There'll be something in my story of Kilimanjaro that will help other leaders, and I won't even necessarily know it, but I know I was meant to be there for a reason, and that story that will come back will, will help other people whether I'm aware or not. Vigorous team effort is the foundation of good leadership, a principle she incorporates when coaching with her clients. Chen Chi Gao, NTD News. You know, I've climbed a few mountains in my day. It's not easy. Oh, and you know, and that is so cool that she's taking this experience of challenging nature and then bringing that to the workplace to help others improve. I think it's great. Yeah, I think she sounds like an incredibly uh, impressive woman. Oh, yeah. Well, on that note, we'd like to wrap the show right here. Remember to write us at goodmorning at NTD.com if you'd like. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.